Boy, I feel like I say this almost every time, but it's been a while since we've heard that music. <laughs> it's been a while. Our recording uh, frequency has expanded. It has. I mean, I this say. is this is just life gets in the way. You know, I got sick, and you're uh, highly susceptible to communicable diseases. Um, I wouldn't say I'm highly susceptible. You say you always get when if there's a cold and someone comes around you, you're going to get sick. That's what you say. Uh, it's usually the flu. Oh, the flu. Cold, I'm a little more hardy, too. Oh, so I could have come and recorded with the cold? Uh, or did you appreciate me staying away? I appreciated you staying away because I had a performance to do in uh, in Nashville. So, yes, thank you for your, uh, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? Thoroughness, your due diligence, your caution. Yeah, I want to protect you. Uh, Dave, tell people what the show is. This is like, before we get to that. Before we get before even we to get the to that, introduction. Yeah, because Nashville, I was recently in Nashville, not had nothing to do with you. Uh, did you, do you like hot chicken? I have not jumped on the hot chicken bandwagon. Many in my company who, when we head down there, we head down there as a group. The first thing they do is go to Hattie B's and they stand in line like dumb cattle and I mock <laughs> them. I sit across the street at a nice bar and have a have a hoppy beer and mock them as they stand in line for hours to get what is essentially fried chicken with a bunch of cayenne pepper it's dumped really on it. It's really good. It's fine. It's very good. It's it's okay. It's very good. I bet the colonel, I bet if I sat you down, we well, we're going to do that. We're going to get some Hattie B's and then we're going to get some KFC uh, Nashville chicken and we're going <laughs> to blind taste test you and you're not going to be able to tell the difference. It's fried chicken with, with pepper poured but, on with it. With cayenne pepper. It's very good. I I thoroughly enjoy it. I'm a fan. I'm not saying that it's, you know, some super culinary innovation. It's like the, uh, if you, what's Minnesota is known for? Probably the Ludafisk. No, I think now the Juicy Lucy. That's <laughs> okay. like our regional claim to fame. Sure, but that's like famous Ray's Pizza. There's 12,000 people who claim that they're the Juicy Lucy, right? Yeah, I mean, I think there's really only like two contenders. But they're in other cities. They have a Juicy Lucy as well. So it's even disputed. No, I think we came up with the Juicy Lucy. I think that's... I think. All right, let's get our research team on you it. You know the Caesar salad was invented in Tijuana? I do know that. At Caesar's. Yeah. Isn't uh, that amazing that a guy just invented a salad? Yeah, I think it was like, um, you know, like Humphrey Bogart would go down there and eat. And they, he, Caesar, the owner, is like, I got to come up with something for these celebrities. So he did the tableside presentation of the Caesar salad, and they loved it. It's a delightful salad. My favorite salad by far. That's great. Is that what this show's about? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. This is a show. I'm so sorry, everyone. If you're still listening, thank bless you. This is Like Trees Walking. This is the show where we talk about um, we talk about big questions of theology, philosophy, theosophy, sophistry. Um, faith, life, culture, we do so from an unabashedly uh, Christian perspective, but we, we we welcome people to listen in on these converse, conversations. We think that they are interesting, fun, and substantive at the same time, that these things are not at odds with each other. And so, uh, well, yeah, we, we Mike and I like talking about this stuff, and we hope that you, we think folks find value in listening to it, even if, and I get this feedback, um, I've gotten this a bunch of times, people say, well, I'm, you know, I, I, I don't share your perspective, but I always enjoy hearing it and so that's that's what good enough for me could we ask for yeah yeah that's great we also talk about philology taxonomy uh, <laughs> parsimony i, I can't think of that'd be a good uh, that's a good improv game just keep be. saying those kinds yeah of words. those types of words yeah <laughs> uh all right so we're back we have a big i mean back from a 
recording hiatus, you yeah. might be listening to this right. You, you're binge listening. I know people do binge listen, and then they, as they near the end, they get there's like a, there should be a special term of anxiety when you're you're you've running out. Discovered something? Yeah, there's probably a German word for it, and you <laughs> yes. and and you're you Weltschmerz yeah, out and for binge listening. And you get near the end, it's like oh. What's going to happen? Yeah, so we're going to talk about a big topic today, but we also, we often, we uh, I put uh, the pastor in the dock, which is the, the British term for putting him on trial, yep. and he's going to go through a trial, uh, which is to take a quiz. Um, it's specifically, the, the quiz has to do with a recent event in Ooh. in Minnesota and other places, and so we'll... Uh, We'll talk about that, but uh, but first, as always, we have a big, important topic, and I don't think this one could be bigger, and where it took the stage, it could not be a bigger stage for it, which is the New York Times. So take it away, Pastor, with this big topic. This is great. So um, this came out on the dateline is uh, April 20th, 420, 2019. Woo! Woo! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Spark it. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke them if you got them. And so uh, uh, this is in a um, this was in a Nicholas Kristoff. Uh, I call him Nick Nick Kristoff uh, in a Nick Kristoff sure. column. Uh, and he and he says this is one, this is in his occasional series on conversations about Christianity. So he does this. I mean, it's around you know. Of course, this came out the day before Easter on Holy Saturday. So this is um, you know a, a good time for him to generate this type of content because. It's on people's mind, and people are interested in it. He's interviewed folks before, like uh, Cardinal Timothy Dolan, who's the, I think, Cardinal of New York, the Archdiocese of New York City, and uh, 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 Tim Tim Keller, the now emeritus pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church Mm -hmm. in New York City. These are other folks who he has... Um, who he has interviewed, and, and he's doing, I think, Nick, a valuable public service because he is, I think he has some sort of Christian-ish background, um, but is is a skeptic, um, you know, skeptical about a lot of aspects of Christianity, I think particularly about some of the more miraculous, uh, you know, supernaturalist-type claims that get made, um, you know, by Christians and by the New Testament. And so, he he likes to interview people who are Christian leaders, theologians, thought leaders, uh, to use that term. And so he interviewed a woman who is uh, Serene Jones. She is the president of Union Theological Seminary in New York City about, you know, just some of his questions and objections around Christianity. Uh, we get the virgin birth and um, and the resurrection in this one, but the, the, the headline, the headline writer had fun with this. Uh, Reverend, you say the virgin birth is a, inverted commas, bizarre claim question mark and so and then the sub is uh the president of union theological seminary also discusses crucifixion hell and a new reformation and so mike uh, he is going he says happy reverend happy easter reverend jones to start do you think of easter as a literal flesh and blood resurrection i have problems with that so sure most people do but he's going to be talking to the head of the uh Union Theological Seminary, so he's going to get set straight. Exactly. I mean, this she is... She is going to defend our position, uh, and I look forward to this. this I know. It's going I to mean, be great. Because... You know, because she's at a seminary in the heart of New York City, so I mean, this is... I mean, a, a cap. This is a capital, capital of one of the great cities of the world. I mean, a capital of global finance and culture and commerce and, and a melting pot of the world. And so, I mean, it's a really important place in terms of Christianity and its cultural impact and influence. And so, she hits, sits in this high chair in that city. So she has an opportunity to respond to a, a culture, not despiser, as Schleiermacher would call them, but a cultured skeptic. Um, and mm-hmm. she has this huge platform from which to defend, offer her sophisticated defense 
of the resurrection. And so here's what she says. When you look in the Gospels, the stories are all over the place. <laughs> okay, Reverend. I know you're going to stick this landing. Uh, that's a, a strange opening, but you got it. There's no resurrection story in Mark, just an empty tomb. Those who claim to know whether or not it happened are kidding themselves. But that empty tomb symbolizes that the ultimate love in our lives cannot be crucified and killed. For me, it's impossible to tell the story of Easter without also telling the story of the cross. The crucifixion is a first century lynching. Ah. Couldn't be more pertinent to our world today. Wow. There is a lot to unpack there. Uh, Those who claim to know whether or not it happened are kidding themselves? Is she talking about... So she's going to the heart of the gospel that (laughs) she's calling... All of them who witnessed it, everyone, they're kidding themselves? I don't, I don't know. Kidding themselves. <laughs> kidding themselves. So let's just, uh, I feel like we've said this before, but when you go kind of what, how important is the resurrection? Let's just, uh, like, that's just, let's just back it up. How important is the resurrection to um, the Christian religion? Oh, I, there's an old saying. I would say it's the whole banana. It's the whole nine yards. It's the ball game. <laughs> This is, could it be more at the, to, to, uh, to talk like, like a, a one about one of my people, friends, oh, uh, could it be more at the center of the, <laughs> Which that goes to my, that's like a little teaser to my celebrity, my great celebrity encounter story that we oh, will get right. to in a yeah, later, yeah, that's yeah, a department that's right. for yeah, later. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, how can it be, it can't be overemphasized. It is, it's the whole nut. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's basically, uh. That's that's it. You take you take that out. You, I think you got you really have nothing left. You don't have uh, you don't have you don't have Christianity without yeah, we, without the resurrection. We had an Easter celebration, as I'm sure you did. Yeah, and I led the prayers. Uh, and what I always think about Easter is, you know, today we celebrate the most important day in the history of the universe. And when I say that, I mean that mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. to the very bottom of it. Yeah. Au fond, as the French say, I mean that. This is the most important day in the history of the universe. Here, it is tossed aside as so much I mean, garbage. This is like, you're kidding yourself. You don't know about it. What's important, she says, what's important is not the event itself, but the symbolism of the event. And I would say they're both, that both of them are, are essential because, yes, it's not just, oh, wow, like, you know, God can do it. Wow, Jesus rose from the dead. Man, strange stuff happens. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I guess weird things happen. God did a weird thing. That this is um, the resurrection itself is, of course, the, the person of who Je- it's so important because it's of who Jesus is and and what he did and what his resurrection represents. So we say, you know, the Christian, the, the classical, traditional. Uh, historical Orthodox Christian position of Jesus Christ as the the mediator, the the fully human, fully divine one who on the cross took upon himself, you know, all sin, uh, all evil, uh, the you know, sum total of 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 destruction, the devil, the wiles of the devil. I mean, that like everything horrible, sinful, broken that separates us from God. He took that all on himself on the cross. That killed him. Um, but in Jesus, sort of, it's like him drawing all the poison in the universe into himself, and then it kills him. And then his resurrection is that he's defeated it, that he's overcome it. Yeah, that, th- and, th- and this, that is, this not... is the foretaste of our, ultimately, those things are going to be overcome for all of us who belong to him. And and so we have this 
limitless future with God because of, because he's done that. Right, right. It's, this is not... That's uh, the good news that we got. Yeah. This is not, wow, there's a weird story like in the 1830s where they used to put bells and you'd get buried and they yeah. would ring the bell and like a guy rang the bell. They dug him up. He was alive. <laughs> weird story. Let's base a religion around it. No, those, <laughs> those are universes apart. And so to dismiss that as just like, well, I can't believe that. It's like, no, the, the, this resurrection is at the center of a story that begins with the beginning of the universe and ends with the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. Mm. Well, well, it never ends, but you know, the yeah, story yeah, yeah. itself. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And so this is not, <laughs> it's not a one-off event and then we went, let's start a religion around it. It's, it's part of a, a story. And like it actually happening is... <laughs> That also seems yeah. to be extreme. Like that is that is important. Now, of course, it's it's not a historical event in terms of the the fact of like it's sweet. It's sui generis in the sense of like there's nothing else that you can compare it to in the history of the universe. And so you know, hi- history, historical memory works by we can analogize it and compare it to other things. And, and, and there are you know uh, traces of it in the New Testament where we can say it's like this, it's like this, it's like this. But but of course, it is this completely, utterly, and totally uh, unique and unprecedented thing uh, along with the incarnation. So yeah, in that sense, it's it's staggering, it's astonishing, it's it's. Um, you know, it even the earliest disciples in in the New Testament accounts themselves, which are all over the place, um, according to Doctor uh, Doctor Jones, uh, like that the people it, it's included in there that the disciples doubted that 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 the the women were afraid that they didn't believe that people didn't think this was going to happen themselves either, and so we understand you know coming to this event with skepticism or doubt, um, but from this you know tiny pathetic group of uh, you know Galilean fishermen. Uh, these, uh, <laughs> which is the analog to the, you know, um, the, when the skeptics talk about like goat, you know, Middle Eastern goat, you know, Stone yeah, Age right. goat herders Palestinian, or whatever. Palestinian uh, shepherds uh, invented this thing. Yeah, exactly. But these Galilean fishermen and uh, these women who are hanging around, you know, this pathetic group of people who had just witnessed, I mean, Jesus died the most awful death that the Romans knew how to inflict on someone. Um they go from this group of people to this people who are literally, I mean, this is the good, why else would they go and share this news unless they believed the tomb was empty and they had seen him and they had been commissioned by him to go out and spread this. I mean, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Uh, 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 this is the, if you've ever been to a, a, a Catholic service or a highly liturgical service, you know, this is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. I mean, this is, this is, this is the whole shooting match that the, this happening and Paul talks about it in in 1 Corinthians 15 he's like if he's like if this hasn't happened if 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 we don't have a hope in the resurrection then we of all people are to be most pitied he says yeah this this is a this is a big verse for me this is what i go back to sometimes you know everybody's plagued with those little doubts and things and it's like well, wait a minute that that's a sort of a test verse for me like you know uh if this didn't happen <laughs> And then it just doesn't matter. None of it matters. But but it did. That's what you have to hang on to. The other point about this is she says that the gospel stories are all over the place. Like, so what is the claim that that a bunch of people got together to lie about this event that didn't happen, and then they did a really bad job of it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, the and tr- then they <laughs> circulated the books, and they kept circulating the. They didn't like punch it up and go, "Man, these things are all over the place." Can we? Uh, can someone we, clean can, this can up? Can we get you know? rewrite in here? We have third act problems. We have first act <laughs> problems. Let's uh, let's get rewrite. So that 
on its face doesn't make any sense at all. Like, okay, you don't believe the claim. They're making the claim, and they're doing it with the Gospels. They're circulating the Gospels. They're starting a movement that becomes Christianity. You don't think that they realized at some point they're all over the place? Maybe it's you who have it a little bit wrong, and they knew what they were doing. Um, Isn't that possible? Yeah, serene. So, but, you know, Mike, the empty tomb symbolizes that the ultimate love in our lives cannot be crucified and killed. What what does that mean? <laughs> that sounds like something in one of those uh, a vision statement or something. Those just soft, you know, pillow words that they throw lump together, and it has no meaning. But it, all right, let's let's continue. Yeah, but like, Nick Kristoff, because he asked he asked a good follow up question. You know, he's doing a good interview. Uh, so he says, but with but without a physical resurrection, isn't there a risk that all we're left with is just a crucifixion? Meaning Jesus just got killed. You know, you're talking about lynching. Um, uh, you know, which she says is couldn't be more pertinent to our world today, which I feel like actually probably was more pertinent back when like literal lynchings were extremely yeah, common. <laughs> probably, probably more pertinent. Probably more pertinent at that time. But I, you know, I'll, 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 I'll you know, I'll cut her some slack there. But um, so yeah, just the crucifixion, just this horrible, unjust, you know, extra, you know, sort of extra judicial killing of this man preaching this kingdom message, like. If that's what we've got, it's like a tr- it's a tragedy, you know, and and maybe there's something uh, beautiful about certain types of tragedy, but I mean that's not like good news. Like, hey, Jesus was t- came around talking about this uh, totally upside down kingdom that God was going to bring in this world. He got crucified, and <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but we can still so, carry on. Yeah, why? Why would you do it? I would just point out. I don't want to get nitpicky, but on its face, uh, when he asked the question, but without a physical resurrection, isn't there a risk that we are left with just? The, I'd say there's a 100 yeah. percent chance we're left with it. Uh, it's it's a it goes above a risk. Oh, but she. So then she goes. You know. So he asks that question. All we got is the crucifixion, and and her answer I think is sort of curious in the follow up, saying crucifixion is not something that God is orchestrating from upstairs. So she talked. So she sort of. Then talks about he's kind of saying, well, what do we got if we if we don't got the resurrection, all we've got is the crucifixion. And she sort of goes on to, hey, the people misunderstand the crucifixion, the pervasive idea of an abusive godfather who sends his own kid to the cross so he could forgive people's forgive people is nuts. For me, the cross is an enactment of our human hatred. But what happens on Easter is the triumph of love in the midst of suffering. Isn't that reason for hope? But how does love triumph in the midst of suffering if nothing happened? Nothing happened. So it's just a symbol. There's, there's plenty of symbols. You, I'll invent one for you. It'll be prettier than this. It'll make more sense than this. You know, I, It's a motivational poster. Mm-hmm. So all of Christianity is one of those hang in hang there, in baby. There. <laughs> I don't understand this at all. I just like to go back to her title, President of Union Theological <laughs> Seminary. What is going and on And she's here? a minister. She's a minister in the Disciples of Christ and, uh, and United Church of Christ. She, I looked it up on Wikipedia because I was like, I wonder what denomination... Uh, she was what in. does she preach? What does she go up and say? This, I think she says the same things that you'd probably expect uh, any per- minister to say, that she just doesn't believe the stuff that's behind it. Like, I think of, maybe she would say the same things as that Canadian woman, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, love yeah. triumphs, hope triumphs, evil doesn't win, and it doesn't, for her, it doesn't matter if it happened or not. But evil one in this case, right? Because they, they no, killed a decent teacher and nothing happened after But his that. memory lives on, Mike, and isn't... 
Well, you know, I'll t- the Camelot, you know, at the end of that, the, the little kid runs in and he's like, I've heard that uh, might doesn't equal right and there's a round table and the, but their whole kingdom is destroyed and he gets hope from the fact there's one person who remembers it. Like, I'll just read her the story of Camelot. She can go and see Camelot at a local dinner theater and she doesn't need religion. Not right? Chris, not- hope, hope lives. Yay. Who cares? Then it gets killed again. Then that kid got hit by a bus after the Camelot is over. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, who? Why would you go to this story? She needs more. She and needs break it apart. There's she, other stories that will serve you much better than this one. And isn't it? It's sort of a. Uh, it's kind of a wish casting thing, right? Like, I hope that. I mean, I hope that hope wins out in the end, and love wins out in the end. You know, I want to believe that because. I, I think that will help me live in the world as a better person. But there's lots of, you know, obviously evidence and signs to the co- signs to the contrary of that being the case, uh, you know. So, uh, uh, um, but the and this old canard about the cross being divine child abuse. I mean, that's sort of some, you know, maybe some crude and perverse, uh, you know, way that someone has talked about it. But it, it, like she has her trinitarian theology bad, and Jesus says in the like he says like I lay down my own life, like no one takes it from me. It's not right. like God the Father. Uh, a separate person needs to listen to our Fred Sanders Trinitarian yeah. podcast because yeah. it's like it's not like God doing this to someone else. It's it's Jesus, you know, <laughs> Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, voluntarily going to this, uh, you know, dying this death on our behalf. Yes, yeah. this isn't divine child abuse and torture. So what? So where did she hear that? So did she, she went through a seminary, and that's what they. Taught that's an her? old saw. That's an old. I mean, old I know saw. it's an old saw, but she's the president of the. <laughs> she should have an answer to that. Instead, she leans into it and says, "Oh, you're right." In to quote, is it H.R. Niebuhr or Reinhold Niebuhr? I need to get this straight because one of them actually taught at Union Theological Seminary. Reinhold Niebuhr, I believe, taught at Union Theological okay. Seminary. And uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer attended Union Theological Seminary, uh, and he did not have the kindest things to say about his experience. But this was back in the 1930s, but Reinhold Niebuhr taught there, and oh, God, I'm sure it was H.R. Niebuhr. I'm going to look this up, Mike, because I'm going to sound dumb. I'll give you the quote, and then I'll look up the source of it. But okay. he, he, when he talks about because this is, is liberal uh, Christianity, and not in the sense of being politically liberal, though I'm yes. sure she is, and um, but just saying, like, liberal theology from within the Christian tradition— um, is he says it's a God without wrath that brings a people without sin, sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of a Christ without a cross. Yeah, yeah. I I think you said that before, and when you I've sent me this, I I thought exactly of that. Like, what is the point of hollowing out the thing that you believe in? Again, I find that baffling. I know that's the, the thing I return to again and again, like with our. Uh, the Canadian minister who is an atheist or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? why go to this? There's so many better things in terms of what you want, is what I'm saying. It was a, it was, it was H.R. Niebuhr. I was right. So it was what not What does Reinhardt. the H.R. stand for? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Go back. And he oh, was, uh, he, he, he taught it, he taught at Yale. Um, uh, okay, so, so H. Richard, but what's the H for? I don't know, but let me. I'm just going to read this while you're doing that, and then uh, uh, assemble your thoughts about it. This is uh, serene. Helmut. 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 Uh, at the heart of faith is a mystery. God is beyond our knowing, not a being or an essence or an object. So he's God is not a being. So God. What is God? What is or an God? essence? What the, Stop what telling is me God? what he isn't and yeah. tell me what he is. That is actually a. I totally missed that statement in reading the article. I, I don't know what, what is that God? Means. Yeah. 
So, you know, God is not a turnip. Yep, that's right. God is not a shoe. Nope, nobody makes that claim. But the God is not a being thing. That's a curious claim. That's weird. That sort of hollows out a lot of stuff. What is God? I don't know. Um, Again, so why are you talking about him if he's not this? I Oh, so, and it's, inter- I mean, you, if you're sort of trying to connect these clauses within it, so uh, beyond beyond our knowing, so how can you make these claims about, how, why make any claims about God? We can't know anything about We can't him. know him. You're done. Stop talking about him. <laughs> God He's is beyond our so, knowing. Not a being or an essence or an object, but I don't worship an all-powerful, all-controlling, omnipotent, omniscient being. That is a fabrication of Roman juridical theory and Greek mythology. That's not the God of Easter. Well, what is the God of Easter? Vulnerable and connected to the world in profound ways. How is God connected to the worlds in profound ways if god isn't an essence even we can't know him or a being he's beyond knowing he's not a being or an essence but we worship him because he's vulnerable and connected to the world in a profound way what in the world does that mean how can this person be the what is she teaching her students i don't know man this is bad I mean, come on. Even if you agree with her in some sense, you got to admit that this is a salad of garb, a word salad. This makes no sense. There must be a better spokesman for oh, this absolutely. point of view is what I'm absolutely. saying. Absolutely. There has to be. There has, has to, be. to be. But this is in the New York Times. Like you get one, you get your shoot, you got to shoot your shot when you're in the New York Times, you know? <laughs> so like don't come with this word salad weak sauce stuff, you this, know? I mean, who is this convincing? I mean, it's convincing the convinced. It's like, yeah, right on, lady. So God's not a thing or a thing or a thing. He's a thing that's a thing. And so, I agree. And so he's like, come on, without a is he's like, isn't Christianity without a physical resurrection uh, less powerful and awesome? What when when the message is about love, that's less religion, more about philosophy. You might even say that it's more like Gnostic in the sense of disconnecting the the message and the actual like physical world the medium of the actual physical world and this with this occurring like you're divorcing those things you're moving it really to more to the realm of the ideal or um it, it has no purchase in the flesh and blood world like when you do that that's a completely different to me that's the old gnostic turn it's like in the world this doesn't really work for me in the real world so i'm going to move it to this other world where it can sort of conceptually work for me seems to be the old gnostic and, and it also seems the way she's doing it is a little ad hoc all of a sudden there's a little bit more of this there's a little it's connected with love and so you're like sort of pasting elements onto whatever this picture is that you're starting to paint of what god is like don't you have this down don't you have it clear in your own mind for me the message of easter is that love is stronger than life or death what the heck does that mean stronger than life or death i i could see the stronger than death but what what does that mean love is stronger than life i don't know also if it's not an omniscient and um, an omnipotent being then it's not stronger than life or death it's sort of by definition you've, you've described it as pretty weak sauce already and now how is it stronger? She says that's a much, and I dispute this next sentence wholeheartedly. That's a much more so that love is stronger than life or death. That's a much more awesome claim than they put Jesus in the tomb and three days later he wasn't there. No, I think no, it's I not. think I think the other one is much more awesome, unbelievable, disputable. Like you know, the one the uh, the one is p- pablum. One is like revolutionary. Right, um, right. Uh, that. For Christians, for whom the physical resurrection becomes a sort of obsession, I don't know for anyone who that's a, 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 an obs- what does that mean obsession? It's just central. The claim is important. 
That seems to me to be a pretty wobbly faith. What if tomorrow someone found the body of Jesus still in the tomb? And then that would then that mean that Christianity was a lie? No, faith is stronger than that. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah! Uh, refer back, uh, Ibid to the uh, uh, Corinthians, right? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, come yep. on, what? Yes, it is. <laughs> it may not be a lie. Maybe it's a mistake. But if if you could one hundred percent produce Jesus's body, would you still be a Christian? I would not. I wouldn't. Ah, and what is it? Obsession is such a pejorative. It is. Like who's talking about there's that? There's a. There's a. You're obsessed with your garbage words. There's a. There's a condescending tone to the overall thing of the article, and I think too, which speaks to you know, Christianity has always been embarrassing, right? Like it's. Yeah. It's not. You know, even though people people high up in Roman society did end up embracing it. Like it's, it's always been a kind of a religion of the masses, you know, with filled with this kind of embarrassing stuff in it, like prayer and miracles and, you know, devotion. Um, like it's all for, you know, for your sort of upper crust set, it's a little too um, crude and crass, you yeah. know, these hillbilly, you know, people who believe in stuff like a physical, physical resurrection, like probably, and she had nothing to do with this. It's not fair. But just to say, like, tell this stuff to, like, the people in Sri Lanka whose families were killed at, you know, their first communicant children were killed in a terrorist attack. Well, you know what? Love is stronger than love is stronger than life or death. And it's like, well, no, it wasn't. In this case, it sure as hell seems like um, these terrorists were a lot stronger because they could kill my child. And um yeah. Uh, you know, according to Serene, later on, she says, well, what happens when we die? There may be something, there may be nothing. Well, guess what? Sorry. This innocent small life was snuffed out. Never again will you ever be able to, this person is not with God. Who the heck knows where they are? And you'll never see them again. And um, their presence has been utterly extinguished forever. Uh, maybe or maybe not. We don't know. What I, What is that claim? Like, if she was your doctor and, you know, like, I'm going to shoot you with this uh, giant syringe. It's going to hurt a lot. I have to stab it into your heel. Uh, oh, but it's going to help me? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it might, might not. But I, I feel very strongly that I'm going to do this. And isn't this stronger than not doing it? Like, no, it's not. You, you're making the claim yourself. You don't even know what this is or what it. it I don't know. She's like giving you marshmallow peeps and then going, is it going to make me stress? Is, is that good food? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just a big mush ball. And then at the end of it going, but who knows? <laughs> what is the point of? <laughs> is it to me? I think it's because this is a sort of, this is a sort of Christianity that's palatable, you know, within the circles. In to which who? Does I don't know. Read this and go, this, yeah, I'm on board. So, I, sign impossible. me up. It's impossible. <laughs> So, what about other miracles in the New Testament? Say the virgin birth. She finds the virgin birth a bizarre claim. It has nothing to do with Jesus's message. It's only, you know, a part of some bad uh, negative theology, you know, a sex negative um, uh, theology of sexuality, and which considers sex sinful. And we use this, this has been used for centuries of oppressing women. And because in all the other cultures without this, women have been treated in a yeah. completely egalitarian <laughs> right. fashion, you know, which is just, it, it's, it's, it's just a mess. Does prayer work? I wouldn't believe in prayer to work at all, you know. Uh, and what happens when we die? Who the heck knows? Uh, there's no such thing as hell. Hell's a symbolic reality. When we reject love, we create hell, and hell is what we see around us in this world today. And so, we, so okay. And, uh, oh, and, but then the, the real one, I think the best, 
is at the end where Nick Kristoff says, okay, I've asked this of other interviewees in this religion series for someone like myself who was drawn to Jesus's teaching, but doesn't believe in the virgin birth or, and you know, the physical resurrection. Let's say that that's a much more central claim to the Christian faith than the virgin, even the virgin birth. I'll give him that. What am I? Am I a Christian? So I'm drawn to Jesus's teaching, but I don't believe, and I'm just going to bracket off the virgin birth here and just say, he doesn't believe in the physical resurrection. Yeah. What am I? And then her answer, well, you sound an awful lot like me, and I'm a Christian minister. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a damning answer <laughs> yeah. to his question. And then she says that this, uh, this pablum now, I often feel like we are in the middle of another reformation in a 500-year cycle, and this comes from this woman, uh, Phyllis, Phyllis Tickle, who wrote this book about a new reformation, which is just basically this, um, it's one of these a historical arguments where it's like every 500 years you cherry pick the data sure and you go because because the protestant reformation was 500 years ago well then let's just look for um oh 500 years before that there was another reformation around the year 1000 and oh 500 years before that about there was another uh reformation in this so, you know around about every 500 years the church experiences a reformation and i think she thinks that we're in the middle of one you know um right now and she this kind of stuff that she's giving us is indicative of what the next, you know, sort of the future reformation of Christianity that you couldn't even predict before coming out. Like, like that's that's what that's the turning point we're at. And this stuff she's saying is like the vanguard of this new reformation. Okay, so take her at her word. Here's the new reformation. Uh, what's your elevator pitch for me? Put yourself in her mindset, and you're trying to convince me a believing Christian that no, 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 I'm on the wrong path. So what would she say to me? Like, um, you know, we need to turn this around. What she thinks it's all bad. She's it's hogwash. It's baloney. What I believe, and I need to to believe her thing. So what's the pitch? How, Mike? You don't have to be anti science anymore. Anti enlightenment. Anti intellectual. Like you can still hold on to the core of what is true about the Christian faith, which isn't things that happened. But um, but the the meaning of them. What so we've made the mistake for far too long of thinking that what was important about Christ, the Christian method was it somehow its relationship to history. But that's not what's important. What's important was the essence of that message. The essence of that message remains true. And so you going forth into this world that we know is going to be complete. You know more anti-supernaturalist, uh, you know, increasingly skeptical, increasingly dominated by science and technology. How we can bring our message in is we can we can preserve the essence, the core, the kernel, if you will, while getting rid of, rid of the husk of these, etern- these external historical claims and events that we know didn't really happen because we have this new knowledge of the world. So get rid of the superstition, but keep the core, which is true, and you'll be able to carry this faith with intellectual integrity and uh, the world is going to be more responsive to it great uh point uh, question number one what who created the universe god oh so he, he is a supernatural oh. god, god i'm done I, I didn't mean to say he i'm <laughs> sorry let me i withdraw the <laughs> yeah your pronoun pronoun yes. i withdraw the pronoun so god created the universe yep but the God but isn't a being God, or an God essence. is not a being or an essence or, an or anything. So how how does a thing that's not a thing do a thing? Um, I'll st- I'm, I'm on board for everything else. Mike, I need you to God is a, that. God is a metaphor for the so process. A metaphor created the universe. Well, the the universe started with this moment of singularity, and there was a big bang, 
And um, so God is what we call. That was some pretty passive language. <laughs> there was a thing. There was. Yeah, yeah there was a Big Bang. Yeah, I'm, I'm big on bang. board with that. Moment of singularity. I agree with, with the majority of scientists. Moment of singularity. Yes. Explosion of space, time, and matter. Step back. This is before the singular. How did that come about? God is a mystery, and we can't step back into those places. Um, and God is not a being or an essence. Okay. Or an object. I heard you out. I'm out. I'm going to keep <laughs> believing. I'm not going to believe nonsense. I'm going to believe actual things. And so, thank you. You can't fight. I mean, this brings me back to, you cannot fight something with nothing. Yeah. So there is a challenge. You know, there is a challenge of cr- these Christian claims in uh, the contemporary context. Now, this has, this is not old. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, there is all have always been cultured skeptics of Christianity from its inception, and it takes different forms. And, and yeah. rising to the challenge is is good. Um, and 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 Serena, I just think that you're 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 fighting something with nothing. Like so, um, I think the you know she's probably trying to fight like the you know way we've abused the world and uh, i'm sure you know uh, abuses of capitalism and racial injustice and you know all of these things uh, misogyny um and she's trying to do that from a christian point of view perspective um but there's nothing there's nothing behind it you can't i you can't go up to a, a high bridge and pound down all the foundations of it and just hope that something fills in the spots that you you know tore away. I mean, you're 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 throwing all the foundations away and then expecting someone to believe it. And uh, you know, she called me obsessed. I think you're obsessed with with things outside of what the core of Christianity is and turn your obsession to actually coming up with a good argument cuz I'll say it right now, your argument is garbage. I don't even see an argument in it. It is a again, a word salad. Of, of puffy little cotton balls that people like to say to each other, but th- this is beneath, beneath the intellectual capacity of someone who's the head of a theological society. So, a seminary, Mike. Seminary, sorry. Or, yeah, I think that for me, this moment feels apocalyptic as if something new is struggling to be born. And then he's like, Nick Kershaw says, like 2,000 years ago, yes, something was struggling to be born on that first Easter. <laughs> It burst forth in ways that changed the world forever. What does that mean, burst forth in ways? What this is all forth? I don't know. An idea? Someone yes. with the metaphor? Today I feel that the spiritual ground uh, around us is shaking. The structures of religion as we know it have come up bankrupt and are collapsing. What will emerge? That is for our children and our children's children to envision and build. And so... Boy, that's a strong... You hear that, children? Blah, 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 love, mush, hate, blah. Now go and build something new with it. We have to, hand, we have to give something. You know, we, part of tradition, right, is, it literally means passing on. So what are we passing on to them? Um, and, and, and I do think, you know, um, I, I just think that this is, this is nothing. As bad as some, you know, whatever her boogeyman of kind of a, a fundamentalist Christianity might be, um, this is not the... Um, this ain't the answer either. <laughs> no. You know, there's, this this ain't it, chief. There's, there's nothing the kids here. say. Yeah. Yeah, there's just nothing here. You should do something else. But I mean, this is the problem where these institutions get built. You know, Union Theological Seminary, a bastion of, you know, uh, uh, liberal, classical, liberal, cla- uh, skeptical theological thought in the 19th century into the earliest 20th century, like that um, 
just how vacuous this has become, you know, what once stood there with Union Seminary up on, up on the Upper West Side and uh, the Riverside Church, you know, that 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 this movement um, has just become nothing because there's, there's nothing left to believe in that happened or God did anything. I just wonder, I mean, as she's preaching, it's got to be hard to get an amen for this kind of stuff. Uh, metaphor, can I get an amen? I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure. So I didn't need to say I didn't say that on Easter. And I mean, if you're a person who says like, I don't believe this, I'm not, I, you know, this seems like too much to believe. I understand that. And, but just Serene Jones has nothing for you other than, yeah, yeah I don't either. And I call myself a Christian. So, um, like, like that is, <laughs> I expect more to, I mean, she's, uh, she's the president of a theological seminary. She's teaching and training ministers to serve the church. This is, um, this is not okay. Oh, boy. Uh, we went a little long in this segment because, as you can tell, our dander is up, to use a, a phrase of, of old. Uh, but let's uh, take a little break, cool down. Let's get a nice seltzer. Um, oh. You know, we wish Serene the best. I hope her day is serene as it can possibly be. But uh, she's, she's got my blood pressure up. Um, but let's calm down. Let's come back. Let's have some fun. How about that? Oh, that sounds great. All right. We'll be back in a moment. We will put the pastor in the dock and quiz him on something very pertinent and maybe as important as what we just talked about. We'll be right back after this message from the pastor. Hey, everyone. Pastor Dave here. Thank you for listening. Um... And we hope that you find this stimulating. We, 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 we really true try to uh, be thoughtful. And when we find things we disagree with, uh, we try to be honest, um, honest as well. And so uh, if you appreciate this conversation, if you enjoy it, uh, could you please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts? Um, that helps with the algorithm or something like that. But more than that, I don't actually don't care if it helps us in our algorithm ratings. Uh, what, it, what it does help us know is that um, we're making a difference. And so we love hearing those, love reading it, love getting your feedback. Um, yeah, and there's other ways. Uh, the Like Trees Walking Facebook page, um, folks, you know, sometimes interact with us there, and that's great. Our email list, which we occasionally send out stuff just to keep you updated, and hopefully um, we're going to have a live podcast update coming soon, and uh, people who are on that email list will be the first to know about it. So let Mike and I get back to the podcast. Let's um, uh, cleanse our palates of the pablum that we just engaged with and have some fun. together and I remember each and every day okay we are back thank you pastor pastor do you have your thinking cap on I do Always. there was an event recently I speaking of obsessed I'm obsessed with this the last two winters in Minnesota have not been good not been good well ah, they have well, they have not dude. they have not finished well let's just say that <laughs> Two years in a row, giant blizzards in what? mid to late April. I for, feel like last, well, the time, they were both bad. The timing of last year's was more unfortunate because well, we had to cancel church. Yeah. Well, this one came after uh, spring was proceeding somewhat yeah, normally. Yeah. Each day was maybe a degree warmer than the day before. It's like, oh, okay, so we're not living, you know, the white witch is vanquished. And then it was as though, and Santa was, you know, passing out the gifts, uh, a la Narnia. And then the White Witch came, 
from behind Santa and stabbed him in the heart and, and gored him out and then sat on him and mocked him. And it, it was the worst. And uh, it, it broke my spirit. I'm sorry, Mike. Anyway, it inspired me <laughs> to pull out this quiz and test you on the science of snowflakes. Oh, wow. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to put the pastor oh, through its paces. It's a very brief quiz. There's only 10 but I did peek at it ahead. Is it multiple choice, please? please it is please, multiple please. choice. Okay. And uh, we won't know until the end. I did not press, you know, I did not uh, take the quiz in advance, but it is the difficulty level, I would say, is, I don't know, I'm going to give it a seven. Um, wow. So here we go. There's number one. The Guinness Book of World Records lists the world's largest snowflake as being 15 inches wide. This flake and others like it fell in 1887 on Fort Keogh in which large northern state? Is it Montana, Michigan, Maine, or Minnesota? Fort Keogh. Let's say Montana. I think that is correct. Uh, That's way, so big. That's way too big. 15 inches? That's just too big. What, did they walk up with a measuring tape while yeah. it was falling? How is that even possible? That seems like complete... Trash. I've never seen a snowflake. An inch would be like a large snowflake. Yeah, it's like that thing you hear, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the hail sizes are always seem inflated to me. You know, hail the size of basketballs. Nobody's ever seen that. No. Which scientist photographed thousands of snowflakes with one of the world's first photographic microscopes? Would that be Wilson Bentley, Henry Ford, Thomas Rolls, or Robert Buick? There's a little theme there. Mm. I, don't, I don't know what they're getting at. One of those guys must have been Robert Rolls. Uh, Thomas Rolls. Yeah, that, Thomas Rolls. Thomas, yeah, Thomas Rolls. Okay. Snow that falls in the shape of a ball instead of a flake is called which of the following? Coring, slunk, grapple, or tank? I, I'm taking this Slo- quiz at face value. Slurring. I assume it's not a prank. What did you say? Coring or slunk? Oh, I said slurring. You, you combine them. Grapple uh, or co- tank? Coring, coring, coring. Okay. Barometric pressure pressure can affect how many sides a snowflake has. Is that true or false, Pastor Dave? True. has to be true. Most snowflakes are hexagonal, which means they would usually have six angles and sides. What is the proper name for these angles? Vellum, vertices, valet, or venal? Vertices. We can eliminate a couple of them. Yeah, venal, valet. The branches on a snowflake are called radiating blank. Would that be conics, dendrites, permutations, or ilia? Uh, I'm going to go dendrites. Dendrites. That was my guess. What is the name of the chart used for indexing snowflakes and their shapes, which I'm just now learning about, which was named after the scientist who invented it? Nakaya's classification chart, Rizdix, Sturgles, or Myons? M-Y-O. Sturdix. Sturgles. You combined. (laughs) You're doing a lot of... (laughs) Sturgle and Rizdick. Uh, almost done, people. Oh, and, and you, Pastor. In 1611, which early scientist wrote a short treatise on the six-cornered snowflake? Edmund Haley, or Halley, we're calling him Halley now. Copernicus, Johannes Kepler, Amerigo Vespucci. Why would, well, he be why right? would Vespucci? He's like, I'm map making and then also yeah. uh, Kepler. Johannes Kepler. Ten inches of snow will melt down to about one inch of water. Is that true or false? True. Snowflakes are just frozen raindrops. True or false? False. Okay, submitting. Submitting the pastor's answers. Oh, gosh. 
Oh, you got... Oh, it doesn't sum up for you. It just oh. goes one by one. Okay, oh. you got one right. You got Thomas Rolls is wrong. <sighs> uh, Coring is wrong. <sighs> that was grapple. Oh, grapple. <laughs> uh, barometric pressure, true. True on the branches, uh, dendrites. Uh, Sturgill's classification chart, not true. Mm. Nakaya. Mm. Uh, Kepler is tr- correct. Oh, yes. uh, the rest are correct. Ten inches of snow will melt down to an inch, and snowflakes are not just frozen so, raindrops. So what was my score? So it looks like you got seven out of ten. That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, well done. Thank you, Mike. Now my next question for you. Do you think we will have another polar vortex, cyclone bomb, bombogenesis, uh, uh, derecho, thund- thunder, thunder snow. snow? No, we're done. I Boy, that's a bold done. claim. Oh, yeah. I, um, I have a bet with the associate pastor. Uh, I can't remember the exact date, but it's either November 15th or November 10th. A half inch of snow over under for the year, like the next time we have half inch of snow or more. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you take the over? Let's say it's November 10th. I, I should have done November 10th as the date. If I did the 15th, I, it was a foolish. For half an inch of snow? Half an inch of accumulated snow over uh, or under. Uh, oh. Like, will it occur oh, after I, that I, I, or before it? Oh, well before it because I think it's going to happen next week. <laughs> I took the over. I'm looking over my shoulder, man. I'm on this a hot, one really stung I'm me. on a hot streak on these bets, Mike, these kind of bets. Oh. <sighs> I've done over-under on age with people. I beat him in there. You're on a hot streak? I'm on a hot streak. I did over-under for the... We went to the national championship basketball game that was in Minneapolis together, and the over-under for points was very low for the game. I hard took the over and cashed in. I got a free beer, which I could not drink because it was Lent, so one of his (laughs) beers that he bought was free. Wow, that's uh, that's fantastic. Um, What's the over-under on Nicholas Kristoff? Being a Christian or becoming an Orthodox Christian, uh, I'm. An, it's not looking good right now, but uh, I believe that because of what happened on Easter, what actually happened, that there's real hope for Nick. I, I, How about Serene? I think Serene is a you know harder. <laughs> She's a tough nut. She's a tough nut. Um, but God's got the tools. He does. He's the Hound of Heaven. Absolutely. So I I hold out hope for Serene too. All um, right. I'm not. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up hope. I have more hope for Nick though, just because he's. He has less ideological stake or, or sort of social prestige stake in what right. happens. Right. All right. Well, this has been another Like Trees Walking. We'll be back again soon. Next episode, I happen to know for sure that Pastor will be uh, eating something that he doesn't like. This is a request from a listener, so I'm going to be <laughs> going to be doing that. So the people ask if we're if you know not for our wisdom, at least tune in for Pastor gagging on some horrible tinned fish. And that's next time on Like Trees Walking. We'll uh, see you soon.